1: and today I'm joined by a lady by the name of Harriet Whaley-Cohen from the UK. Harriet, very, very warm welcome to you.
0: It's a pleasure to be here and having this conversation with you today.
1: And today, that conversation, your chosen title and focal um, area, Harriet, is Radical Personal Responsibility. It oh, sounds <laughs> it sounds intriguing. Where, where do we start with that? <laughs>
0: Where would you like to start? <laughs> um,
1: okay, well, that, that's a nice kind of timely invitation for me to offer um, a couple of insights around your, um, you know, the information that's out there around you. And generally, uh, for the benefit of the listener to get to feel of, you know, who, who you are. It says you've been through multiple transformations, 17 years in recovery from addictions. You left an unhappy marriage and also a breast cancer survivor. And building on that very, very significant overview is my mission is to make sure people know their true value. I think we've got something to get our teeth into there, Harriet.
0: I think we've got lots to get our teeth into, yes.
1: So, okay, 17 years in recovery. I mean, that's probably a good good starting point as any.
0: That's right, yeah. Yeah, well, what can I tell you about that? What would be helpful, and in, in terms of insights for your um, for your listeners?
1: Well, that that's a great question in itself, and at uh, you know to make that really focused. Uh, and I know from my own experience that things are not quite as black and white as this. But you know, for people that, as you say, listeners that find themselves in that kind of maybe dark, desperate space at this moment in time and looking for that hope, that inspiration. Let's turn the clock back 17 years, Harry, and try and define or capture that one moment. If there was one moment, one situation. What made you go on that 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 change, that voyage of discovery and change? What was that moment if there was indeed just one one thing?
0: Well actually there was. Um there was a moment and that moment was when um something had happened an accident that i could no longer be in any doubt was as a result of um all the things i was putting into my body and that um i had a lot of time after that to review my life and really think is this is this where i want to be and i knew it wasn't and i i just because i think one of the things that happens is that life can be quite chaotic when you are in an addictive lifestyle and bad stuff does happen you just get caught up in all sorts of chaos and and i just thought i was an unlucky person I, i remember i used to think things like you know why does this always happen to me well and and just brushed it off and just thought it must be me it must be because i'm a bad person or a not good enough person i always made it mean bad things about me um and just thought i was unlucky but this one time, I was in absolutely no doubt that perhaps it might not have happened, might not have been so severe had I been, um, you know, fully present. And as a result of that, I was able to have these moments of clarity, um, lying in hospital um, and and make a decision that I wanted things to be different. And um, one of the funny things about addiction is is that you can decide as many times as you like that you're ready to stop. But if you don't know how you're gonna do it, it very often doesn't stop. And that was my experience was that I decided, but then when I was out of hospital and um, luckily my injuries were not as bad as they could have been. However, um, I found myself caught up in it again. Um, And my resolve had completely disappeared. And that was when my real, I suppose my willingness to reach out and ask for help rather than thinking that a decision was going to be enough because a decision clearly wasn't enough. So it was at that point that I thought, right, I'm, I need to reach out and ask for help with this. Um, and that was where things did start to change.
1: It's a key point, isn't it, to reach out for help? Um, very, I very think. Very. I think, um, I mean, <laughs> for me to come in on this, Harriet, the one... I did it completely differently, and and I think the message there is there is no right, there is no wrong. It's it's whatever. To quote John Lennon, it's whatever gets you through the day. And, I think so. You know there isn't a model, is there? You know I know that uh, there are a lot of agencies out there doing amazing work. Did that work for me personally? No. I, I was of the mindset. It was a kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't cliche for me because I'd created this whole way of being in my life and then I actually found myself serving it. That And that way of being was I will sort things out myself. And that became a self-fulfilling prophecy, which in the end I did. Was it the best way? Well, <laughs> that's another long conversation in its own right. So, you know, obviously for the benefit of the listener, um you know what you've shared there harriet is around you know that reaching out and i'd say whatever whichever you know method that we use personally we're going to need that help and that support from our nearest and dearest um because nobody will actually do it on their own in its entirety i think that's a fair comment is it
0: well i think even if you could do it on your own why would you right because there are so many tried and tested ways, um, that can help really help with your mental health and can help with things like addiction, um, and different support systems that you can put in place that if you wanted to be really pigheaded headed about it, of course you could try and do it on your own, but actually why not take the, the softer path, the more loving path, um, and let people in Mm -hmm let people in, let people help you. I think addiction is a very lonely place where you feel unlovable and and learning to let people love you, allow yourself to be supported is actually a very important part of the journey of recovering and and learning to to cope with life in a completely different way.
1: Yeah, and I think that's an extremely valid, um, valid point you make there, Harry. I suppose my only caveat on that is when you're in that sort of dark, desperate place that, um, you know, that pig-headedness, that determination, that single mind, call it what you will, sometimes is the only thing that you've got to get you out of the pit. It certainly was for me because my distrust in the system, in, in society, in people generally was like, there's, you know, there's only one way you're going to sort this, Paul, and that's by yourself. I mean, that's not strictly true because obviously there's people that's in your immediate world, you know, such as family and loved ones, etc., etc. Um, but I'm I'm talking in the context of you know the the system if you like you know the the professional help. Um, so I think you know for me, um, Harriet, I, you know I have this conversation so many times and I kind of just repeat yeah. really, um, find just find something. Whatever go on that voyage of discovery. And I know that can be so difficult when you're, and I'll use my own terminology, at the bottom of the pile looking up, because that was the language that I used for myself at that time, which denoted my kind of victimhood, if you like. Um mm. so yeah, I think you know that that is the key message, isn't it? You know, to reach out if you can and find help. But if that's not your your way of doing things, then that's fine. I think metaphorically, isn't it about knocking that first domino over, however you do that, so that there's that knock-on effect of what we could generally call recovery? I
0: think so. I, and I think particularly in the early days, um, it's it can be really hard. And the more support that you get, the better and the more that you throw yourself at it, the better, because that, of course, there's that one moment of reaching out and asking for help, but then you have to keep going. And, and, you know, anyone can get sober, can't they, for a day or a week. It's the staying sober bit that's the tricky bit. So once once you have done that initial reaching out, Um, then there is the commitment, and I think that comes from within. That comes from staying in touch with what made you reach out in the first place It keeps you taking the ongoing action that's needed, I think especially in those early months and and years uh, when you're at your most
1: vulnerable. And you know what, for me, you've just hit it on the head there, what I call leverage. And for me, it was a simple black and white question, do I want to live or do I want to die? It was very close to the latter. And I think when you've stared that in the face, it's like, okay, there's nowhere to go. Nowhere to go after this. Make your decision now. And, you know, I think we can think things through on a kind of superficial, stroke, intellectual level, on a mind level, call it what you will, Harriet. But when that certain something inside, that feeling, that power, that emotion that says, do you know what? (laughs) I do want to live. That's something inside that you can't rationalise and you can't define and you can't intellectualise. It's a very, very kind of um, it's that ultimate survival. Yes, I want to live, and I think once you've got that inside you, then yes, you're right. I mean, it's still you know nobody's saying it's easy, but you you've got that internal lever that says you know what I'm not going to pick up again. I'm not, um, yeah. even though I feel absolute garbage. So. But, you know, there again, I suppose that that sort of bottoming out is, is different for all of us. I mean, there's a cliche, isn't there, in recovery that says you've got to hit rock bottom before you can climb. Um,
0: yeah, I- and that, that it's actually a gift. They call it the gift of desperation, don't mm. they? And it, is a gift. it really is. And they say, as they say, recovery is not for people who who want it it's for people uh sorry it's not for people who need it it's for people who
1: want it and we got it the wrong way there <laughs> yeah
0: are not perfect isn't it eh
1: yeah and, <laughs> and you know and that's a great lesson and this is what i love about these podcasts that you know if we say something wrong or a cat knocks a milk bottle over outside or the postman delivers a parcel you know what it's all fine because isn't that a true reflection of you know the perfection of the imperfect life imperfect life that we live in yeah
0: I think so. Hmm.
1: Okay. So tell us about your mission then, um, if we can flip flip over to that around Absolutely. make sure
0: well, if if I, I I'd like to describe it as a vision, actually, mm. if that's okay. Of and course. that vision is imagine a world in which it doesn't occur to women that they or their bodies aren't good enough, where they know, accept and celebrate their true value. Um, and and sort of underneath that is, is, you know, helping people to believe in themselves and helping people to believe in their potential. But I, I really think that there's a, a not good enough epidemic of people not feeling good enough, young people especially. But it doesn't mean that, that um, middle aged people or older people don't also suffer from that. But I really think there's a, there's a crisis of self-esteem out there at the moment
1: massively absolutely it's very interesting some of the words i heard you you use there around the young people i mean certainly around speaking from our hearts we are starting to focus more and more on young people but also interesting at the top of that uh, statement Eric, you singled out women and women's bodies was it is that because that reflects the particular client group that you work with or um
0: it it is to a large extent in that i i feel that um as a woman i understand women's issues better and i do my, my clients tend to be women yeah my co- clients and my programs um are designed for women my, my retreats um are designed more for women in mind however i do have men come along and even to my ones on how to um love your body no matter what I have had men come along as well and, and get huge value from it. Um, I think that the, that there's, there's a lot more openness from women about not feeling good enough. Um, and um and especially around their their bodies, you know, the, the messages to women are, are relentless. That said, you only have to go into the um, men's fitness section in WH Smith, and the what's on the cover of the men's magazines is actually even more terrifying. All these bronzed Adonis's with their six packs. Um, you know, I <laughs> think I think the pressure is equal. Um, I think it just manifests in different ways. To be honest, I think that. Um, the way that the not-good-enough um, crisis manifests for men and women is slightly different. There are, there are of course, similarities, and actually one of the most um, unsettling things is that um, a lot of young men who have failed in their suicide attempts do cite the fact that they can never be good enough, they can never be perfect, they can never reach what the media says, you know, they should be, that that is their reason for trying to end their life. So it's by no means a, a female-only problem whatsoever. And um, as, as we all know so well, suicide is the biggest killer of young men.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's several powerful statements made there, Harriet, and, and certainly yet again, I mean, what's coming to the fore with Speaking From Our Hearts and our focus and our crusade is is, is around these, you know, uh, around these critical issues and and focusing on, you know, more specifically younger people um, because they're, you know, they're kind of detached from, and I suppose this is a very subjective thing, but, you know, what we perceived... As, as normality reality and the whole world will make their own judgment on what that is or isn't but they I think they're in a in a place nowadays where there is so much more media pressure and you know have alluded to it with the magazines and the, you know the tv ads and the and all this kind of stuff generally media where the you know you will you must and and it's just such nonsense isn't it and I'm not so sure that you know sort of Um, well certainly in my day um, a few years ago that there was any of this I'm I'm sure it's always been around because it's commercially driven Um, but not in your face the way it is nowadays and certainly to the extent that young people through technology and social media are subjected to Mm. I
0: know I know I think the pressures now are just extraordinary um, from from the media. But it's not just media and social media. It also comes from the way that kids are measured so frequently all through their school career now, and mm-hmm. the importance that's that's placed on the outcome, um, where they feel you know they've got to constantly improve. That it's just a whole um, measure of their worth. And then as soon as you get into the workplace, whereas before it used to be an annual review that was all um, not taken very seriously. Now there's like you know monthly reviews, quarterly reviews, goals. How are you improving? The pressure. To constantly learn and grow and be better is shocking yeah um, you know it's it's a really different ball game and then you throw on top of that the pressure from The changing work environment that people haven't been trained for where there's just fewer jobs around then add into that social media and um, add into that capitalism that says how you look and how much money you've got is all that matters and you've got to have a bigger car and a bigger house and a flashier handbag and blah 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 I mean it's it's insane actually it it is quite an insane environment that we're all living in at the moment
1: there was just kind of using a parallel um example, Harriet, when there was, you know, everybody's heard of Pele, the the great legendary Brazilian footballer, and there was a style of play at the time. And in basically, in very simple terms, it's give me the ball, let me play. And I think that's a great metaphor for life to sort of say, do you know what, just let me play, let me flirt with the ball, let me do, I don't know. Let me do whatever and let me, you know, be creative. That's the word, isn't it? Let us be creative rather than being in this imprisoned in our own mind. Because I think if we learn to... um,
0: Creativity is there in in a world where you've got to constantly be better. You're so frightened of getting it wrong. And you're so frightened of having a bad monthly or quarterly review that nobody gives things a go anymore. I think it is a real stifler of creativity. And also... um, i think that people are not really following their hearts and their passions they're doing things that will make them look good you know yeah. um, and i think that's leading to a lot of unhappiness as well and and i suppose this is you know coming full circle back to the the title radical personal responsibility we have a responsibility to stand up for what makes us happy, to prioritise that, to take care of ourselves, and for our own mental health. We're not victims of our environment. You can say, yes, okay, my environment is like this, but I can choose what I do about it. Mm. Um, Whether that's, um, you know, becoming politically active, whether that is going down a career path, that's something that gives you meaning and satisfaction and you feel leaves the world in a better place rather than going for a job just because all your mates are that pays really well, but actually makes you miserable. Mm. Um, I think we all have a responsibility for our own physical and mental well being, And it's up to us really. At the end of the day, no one's coming to save you. Literally no one's coming to save you.
1: Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's absolutely, as you say, taking that, um, realizing that and and that is your bottom line that is the you know the stage that you're going to dance on or not as the case may be yeah mm. yeah give us um if you will harry give us um a golden nugget something to cling to for somebody and this is a massive generalization when you you know as soon as you make a statement like somebody well that that's as wide as um as awareness itself, but what I'm trying to do here is is get that one message of hope, of inspiration. Cut, you know, a line in the sand to listeners that say, do you know, yeah, I can sort of resonate with some of this, but I don't know where to start. Where do I start? Give me, give me something to draw a line in the sand.
0: Okay, so here is the thing, right? We're all born more than good enough, and how you feel about yourself is a direct correlation to how you treat yourself and how you allow others to treat you so if you want to feel really great about yourself treat yourself like a god or a goddess in what you wear what you eat what you do what you spend your time on and also take that same radical personal responsibility into your relationship. If somebody's treating you like crap, or if every time you look at somebody's post on social media, it makes you feel bad about yourself, unfollow them, and in real life, set some boundaries. Um, Absolutely, you can change how you feel about yourself. You can turn your inner critic into an inner cheerleader simply by taking different action. Um, and And if you imagine, let me tell a story to illustrate this. I want you to imagine that you are in charge of a small child and this small child is maybe four or five years old. Now you say to this small child, you're amazing. You can do anything you want. I love you. You're fantastic. Right. These are the kind of affirmations that we as adults are told will work right and they can work now imagine that you are in charge of this child right everything that happens in its world and you you're running a bit late and so you say do you know what skip breakfast you don't deserve breakfast got up a bit late you don't deserve breakfast in fact have a double espresso All Right, and now um, we're running late grab any old clothes off the floor something dirty um, in fact don't worry that it doesn't fit and it's got a few holes in it just chuck it on any, anything really just chuck it on and actually let's just keep going and i know you're tired and you didn't sleep well and that's why you woke up late but just keep pushing through because you know you've got to prove your worth and and you grab some junk food at lunchtime and somebody doesn't speak to that child very nicely but you don't really you don't say anything to that person because you don't want to offend them you allow in front of this child some random stranger or some other person to be a little bit unkind Right? And then as the day goes on you you know you don't you think do you know what and, and the child starts crying out for a hug and crying out for love and you just go do you know what let's just eat pizza let's zone out to something on the TV and don't tell anybody how you're feeling because they'll be ashamed right and and you can imagine that that child at the end of that one day is gonna be wondering if you actually love them. They're going to be wondering if they really are a great person who can achieve anything because they've been treated like rubbish all day through every single action they've been treated like rubbish their health their mental health everything has been their needs have been completely disregarded now imagine if you did that to a child the whole time for a week it would be child abuse right wouldn't it now imagine you did that in certain ways to a greater or a lesser degree for years That person would not believe in themselves. They would not believe in their potential. They would think that they were a really awful human being who didn't deserve love, didn't deserve health, didn't deserve anything. Now, this is why I say that self-esteem is an action, because that little child is yourself. And how you treat yourself sends a very powerful message to you about your worth. So if you want to feel better, do better. And um, you can start really, really small. You can start with an extra piece of fruit or vegetable. You can start as small as you like, but just in every single way, you can ask yourself, does this action, this decision I'm about to take one way or the other, is this building my self-esteem or is this destroying it? And the more that you walk towards building, fantastic, you're building. And the more you walk towards destruction, you're not only destroying your self-trust, but you're destroying any chance of, um, of having that great relationship with yourself and feeling good about yourself. And that's the thing. If you were looking after a small child and some days you treated them brilliantly and other days you treated them really badly, they wouldn't know where they were with you and they would not feel safe. There would be a sense of a complete lack of trust. And it's the same with your relationship with yourself. Consistency is important. That said, just start. So I know you asked for a nugget of wisdom, and I probably just spoke for five minutes, but I'm really <laughs> passionate about this stuff, and I know it works as well. I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it in my own life, um, and I've seen it in thousands of other people's lives as well. So, And I, I really think people can change how they feel about themselves.
1: Mm, definitely. Listening to you speak there, it's, it just brought a, a model, a concept I very often use, is, in the case of myself, is Little Paul and Big Paul. Which can be a metaphor for yeah. well, yeah. so many things. But essentially, what you've just said, and that's that. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff out there, words, and I, and this is this is what uh, I hear from people. Well, you know what, Paul, I hear about all this stuff, but none of it really works. It's all it's all fancy words and all this and that and the other. And it's about giving people those practical insights, isn't it? About okay, because we do right. have choices, and and that is the reality of the situation. It, it is a choice. And I suppose just to reinforce what you've said there around, um, you know, that approach, if you will, is, the, is taking that choice. Um, and how does that actually make you feel? You know, so be, be the answer to your own sort of criticism. Well, none of this stuff works. It's only words. Well, you know, it is, to quote um, Mary Williamson and, and so many others, Gabby Bernstein, a choice between love and fear. Um, and it is as stark yeah. and as simple as that. But obviously, yet again, I think when we're, you know, sort of looking up and we're in darkness and despair and, you know, even a simple statement like that can be very, very, very confusing, can't it? Very confusing.
0: Well, I think so. Um, because if, you, if you're only just beginning to get a modicum of self-consciousness, um, I think that bringing things down to a very, very practical level... Um, can be really valuable because the understanding will come later and you'll start to see things work and you'll start to feel better Um, and that's the most important thing.
1: So as we draw to a close Harriet I always ask guests um, one big question right at the end but I want to park that for a moment um, okay. I'm going to ask...
0: seats. <laughs> yeah,
1: the suspense. Uh, Alfred <laughs> Hitchcock's got nothing on my podcast. I can tell you. Um, <laughs> so, I want to uh, first of all thank you for being part of this uh, this dance, this conversation, and and obviously sharing your insights, and particularly the one at the end the uh, the golden nugget, the five minute nugget. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's great, thank you. But, um, so how can people get in touch with you, um, Harriet, if they want to know more about you, your work, your techniques, strategies? Yeah, well, I I have
0: my website, which is com, all one word. Um, But probably the best place, I think, Um, is my free group on Facebook, which is called Harriet's Inner Circle. And I, I live stream, I do interviews with people, I make special offers. It's the place where you first hear about any of my events and get all the best deals and that sort of thing that's really the place to come and hang out with me Um, it's a lovely supportive community of people who are all in a really loving rather than shaming way learning to have a better relationship with themselves guided by myself so everyone's really supportive of each other as well which is super nice so I I would say to people look if you just want to read about me and my work go to my website but if you really want to interact and get loads of good juicy insights, um, then come come over to Harriet's in a circle on Facebook.
1: Superb. Thank you. So the question, and this is a golden nugget, by the way. <laughs> this okay. is a golden nugget. If you could just leave one piece of advice, guidance, call it what you will, Harriet, to to people that are struggling, really struggling, you know, what would be that one piece, that golden nugget that would push that first domino over to you know, to a life of fulfilment and freedom? What would that one, one nugget be?
0: You deserve help. You deserve love. You deserve support. Reach out to someone you know loves you, who will help you. And if that only person you can think of is your GP, reach out to them. But out there, there is so much help and you can create
1: a totally different future for yourself great advice thank you so there we have it listeners and as is my way you know at this point all that remains for me to say now is remember no matter what you do in life always walk your path with heart
0: hearts helping everyone
1: achieve results towards success